Yeah, getting healthier, trying to start You heard all the Ketonians talk Kiss my keto, high and fat Oh yeah, low carb, check it out So official, nothing used that's artificial Products full of electrolytes Raise your ketones, get you right Woo! Everything on the label Oh yeah, 100% What's listed is what you get From the foods to supplements Healthy mix of all the fats, few carbs I'ma be real, and the new ketogenic bar It's a meal that'll get you far Yeah, kissmyketo.com Use LLVLC for 20% off. $50 purchase or more on one order. Yeah. Are you having issues with fatigue, the keto flu, or muscle cramping on your ketogenic diet? Then allow me to introduce you to Keto Vitals. They will solve all of these issues. Keto Vitals is a high-dose electrolyte in a pill specifically created for the unique needs of the ketogenic lifestyle. They use only the best ingredients. In fact, their form of magnesium was shown in a double-blind trial to improve insulin sensitivity. Keto Vitals is 100% guaranteed. If it doesn't work, they will refund your money. Head on over to KetoVitals.com or you can go on Amazon and get free two-day shipping for Amazon Prime members. Use the coupon code KETO1515 both on Amazon and at KetoVitals.com to get 15% off of your order. Keto Vitals. Uh, living La Vida Local. This show is changing lives. We talking about your diet. Trying to get you feeling bright. Cut up them avocados. Fry some eggs. Time to explore. The longest running health podcast. Hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show. Hey, hey guys, we're back here on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. And today we're very privileged to welcome to the podcast a a couple, a couple people. They're here today, Adam and Vanessa Lambert, and they are from this paleo wellness retreat uh, that they call Be The Wellness, B-E-E-T-H-E-W-E-L-L. N E S S dot com. Try saying that real fast, you guys. And so they're here today to tell us about what they do and how they're trying to get people fit and healthy again. What's up, guys? Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, we're longtime listeners and this is a uh, true callers. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, you guys uh, wrote me and you're like, we're big fans and we'd love to tell you about our wellness retreats. And I'm like, "Ooh, you had me at retreat. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah so, they're pretty cool. <laughs> so we definitely want to dive into that here in a minute and all the great work that you guys are doing. But tell us a little more about yourselves, how you got interested in the world of health. And I don't care who goes first. Cool. So, um, well, let's see, we'll make this, we'll try to make this as short as possible. So I, uh, I just ended a 22 year career in the fire service and, and it's one of those things that, you know, firemen are supposed to be healthy and fit and uh, capable of, you know, taking care of business when other people can't. And so health and fitness has kind of always been on my radar one way or the other as a a necessity. And, you know, I want to say it was 2003 or four or something like that, where we were, you know, doing the, doing our normal fireman things and started to realize that the kind of standard, um, running and bodybuilding and just sort of eating whatever was popular in men's health magazine kind of diet just wasn't necessarily getting the optimization that I was looking for. And, 
just so happened that I was living in Chico, California at the time. And Rob Wolf uh, was, territory. Rob Wolf territory, <laughs> sure enough. And a little bit of Googling around. And I was like, man, who is this guy that's doing all this cool stuff? And this was kind of pre pre-NorCal CrossFit days. And he was and, doing the uh, the first responders uh, work as well. Was he doing that at the time? Uh, it was prior to. Prior so to he, that. Uh, so, yeah. So Greg Everett uh, of Catalyst Athletics fame recently was was working with him there. And he was still working for an ambulance company. So there was definitely that tie-in. But this was pre-City um, you know, Zero kind of work. But he right. always had that mindset for it. And so it was sort of a natural fit. I Googled around, saw Rob Wolf. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's in Chico. And um, started training there. And then he slowly but surely, he's like, you know, you might want to pay attention to what you're eating. And that whole grain <laughs> bread might not be the best idea. And, yeah. You know, and, and just sort of slowly worked us into the paleo world. And then really, it was a matter of taking what I was learning there and starting to implement it in the fire service and with the things that I was doing with my guys at the fire station. And sort of the rest is history. It's just built out of that. And the massive success that we saw in just making some fundamental tweaks in our diet and sleep patterns and, you know, and then it's just peeling back the onion, right? You just go deeper and deeper, but that was really the origin for me. So I'm real curious about kind of the state of health of most firefighters. Cause it seems like having to lift all those heavy hoses and all the kind of grunt work that goes into training to be a firefighter. Um, you would think health would be primo, but is that true? Or are there a lot of people that struggle that get into that? There are a tremendous amount of people that struggle. And, and part of the part of the issue is that when you start, it's um, you're you're kind of in the, the best of both worlds. You're, it's, it's almost like you're training to be a professional athlete. You're at the yeah. academy. You're on this you know regimented schedule and you PT every day and you get a good night's sleep and your diet and nutrition's all on on course and all of that. But then once you actually get into the firehouse, it becomes very difficult because the lack of sleep, the stress levels, just the disrupted circadian rhythm and then frankly, the culture around the firehouse is, is not super healthy. I mean, there's obviously outliers, but the general culture is, you know, eat a massive meal and, you know, and everybody kind of cooks together. So it's usually things that you can cook in mass, like spaghetti or pizza or, you know, things like this. And it's always this mentality of eat and eat a bunch because you never know when you're going to get to eat again. And that over time, coupled with the stress levels and the sleep and all of that kind of stuff, um, you just can't out train that. And so while generally speaking, the physical culture is pretty good. People lift weights. And like you said, the job is pretty arduous in and of itself. The rest of the lifestyle factors are just not there. And unless you really take a concerted effort or make a concerted effort to, to kind of thwart and combat some of that stuff, you end up with a relatively unhealthy force. And as we know, just like in the rest of society, uh, the worse it gets, like the least, the, the less healthy you are and the poorer your sleep quality, the, it's sort of a, a, you know, feed forward mechanism and it just kind of spirals, you know. Now, that's interesting because it seems like a lot of the principles of paleo and low carb keto could easily be implemented. So instead of a pizza, having like a fathead pizza and having like a big meal of that and then basically intermittent fasting for the rest of the day, that's pretty darn paleo. It is. Yeah. And the, and the places where, and, and that's actually something that I did for a long time. And the, the, the things that, and you know, everybody of course is going to be a little bit different with this, but the things that sort of thwarted that, um, that sort of life way was the lack of sleep. And, and that was the, yes. the, the linchpin for me where not being able to get enough sleep just makes all of the things you just mentioned incredibly difficult yes. because as you know, you know, when you're sleep deprived, you crave 
all of the sugar and all of the things. And you actually so, become insulin resistant when you're sleep deprived. People don't realize yeah. that. Yeah. And, and to a large degree, I mean, to the point where you might, from a blood sugar perspective, you might test out as pre-diabetic. And just quickly. From a, yeah. Oh yeah. No, like the next day, you know, right. after. <laughs> yeah. So people don't realize you, when you don't sleep well, you're immediately like the next day, day or two later, you're, you're insulin resistant, which makes you more apt to become type two diabetic. And that's, you know, and this is exactly what we see play out in the fire service, a 400 and some odd percent increased risk of cardiovascular disease. And wow. now we're understanding more about how the the diabetes and prediabetes equation fits into that. Yes. But yeah, you're hundred percent right. It's you're, you're really set up for failure in a job where everybody thinks that you should all be on a calendar somewhere, you know? Yeah. All right, Vanessa, sorry to, to take over your bio there, but that was <laughs> so fascinating. My my, uh, my wheels were turning a, m- a million miles a minute. I had to ask him about that. Tell us your story. No, it's great. Yeah, no, I love it because honestly, it's a big influence and Adam and I actually met as firefighters. So it ties in, you know, with really our story is his story. So, um, but, you know, it's just to kind of feed off of what Adam put out there. You know, he started training with Rob Wolf. I actually had already gone gluten and dairy free. Um, my aunt of all people was an esthetician and for folks who came in with bad skin conditions, she suggested that they get rid of gluten and dairy. And so she had cued me into this cause I was having some skin problems. And so I actually, at the time had told Adam, you know, uh, I think we should probably cut these things out of our diet. And he was like, Oh no way. That's crazy. Whole grains are everything. And once again, the woman <laughs> is the wise one in the relationship. So, you know, I was really happy when we started training with Rob and I said, Hey, you know, um, I was talking to Rob about how I'm eating and he actually thinks it's a really good idea. See, honey, neener, neener is what she was saying, Adam. (laughs) Totally. Totally. So, you know, after, you know, uh, obviously Rob has a way about him and he's so intelligent in the way that he explains things. Adam is so cerebral and it really started to make sense to him. Right. So we kind of took that ball and started running with it. And, you know, we started training CrossFit with Rob. We were on his CrossFit team. And uh, eventually when we relocated to Los Angeles, Rob introduced us to Mark Sisson. We started working with Mark, running the luxury paleo retreats with him, our primal retreats, working at primal con events. And, you know, we kind of just all of a sudden looked around and realized that this had just become a way of life. And we just really um, were reaping the benefits of this way of eating, exercising, living and kind of operating and eventually just decided it was time to pay that forward and create our own brand and kind of start pushing that out and under the be the wellness brand and now be the wellness is here yes yeah exactly so yeah so you have to say it that elongated you guys otherwise you say be the wellness people think it's just the singular e but you have to say be the wellness yeah <laughs> totally. Maybe put a little buzz in there. I was going to say, the well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you love great olive oil, do I have a deal for you? As one of my listeners, you're entitled to receive for $1, listen to this, for just $1, a $39 bottle of one of the world's finest artisanal olive oils. And what makes this oil really special? It was just fresh pressed at the new harvest, so it's bursting with more harvest fresh flavor than any olive oil you've ever tasted. It's yours for just one buck to help cover shipping as your introduction to the fresh pressed olive oil club. And there's no obligation to buy anything now or ever. But what exactly is fresh pressed olive oil? And why is it so much more flavorful than store-bought olive oil? The problem with store-bought olive oils is that they can sit on store shelves for months, even years, 
growing stale or even rancid. The olive, after all, is a fruit, and olive oil is similar to a fruit juice in that it's much more flavorful when fresh-pressed. And that's what's unique about oils from my friends at the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. They rush their oils direct to your door by plane and special delivery truck straight from the latest harvest. This means that you, your family, and lucky guests can enjoy top-of-the-line artisanal olive oils at their peak of harvest fresh flavor and nutritional value. This is great news for us low-carb lovers because pure fresh-pressed olive oil has zero carbs. Zero carbs! It adds whole layers of amazing flavor to your favorite low-carb dishes, your roasted vegetables, healthy salads, grilled meats, delicate fish, toasted nuts. Oh yeah! I can tell you from personal experience, once you try this fresh-pressed olive oil, you'll never go back to store-bought again. Try it yourself and see. For your 39 bottle for a buck, go to jimmyoliveoil.com. That's jimmyoliveoil.com. One more time, jimmyoliveoil.com. I love it how you guys have taken this passion for what you now have seen has given you guys personally great results and you've seen it in a lot of other people and you've worked with two of the the giants in the paleo world uh, in Rob Wolf and Mark Sisson. And so you've seen the lives of real people change. And it's one thing to say, okay, that's all well and good, but you're kind of putting your money where your mouth is because to start a business around that and trying something like a, a retreat adventure, uh, it's not for the faint of heart, is it? Oh, no, not at all. And, you know, I think it's because Adam and I are so committed to what we see come out of these events that it keeps our faith. It inspires us to keep doing what we're doing, to grow the brand and to grow the opportunity for people to participate in our events. And it really is the people and the transformations we see within the context of those events that keep us inspired to keep creating these things. So let's talk a little bit about nutrition, because from the paleo perspective, uh, people can can obviously get a lot of great health results eating paleo. It's real food at the end of the day is what we're talking about and shifting people from kind of a standard American sad diet to a paleo diet sees great results. And I think that's why a lot of people that switch to veganism see great mm-hmm. results because they switch to real food and then keto, the same thing. They switch to that. They see good results. So why do you think there's kind of factions within the realm of nutrition of paleo here, vegan there, keto? It seems like we're all kind of like kissing cousins uh, of the same (laughs) message. Why do you think there's such dissension between the groups? Uh, You know, that is a really good question. And I think so. I think there's a couple of things. So one it becomes more than just, and, and I think this is especially true for, for paleo and, and for the vegan crowd, it becomes more than just a, a nutritional strategy, right? There's, there's a lot of story that gets wrapped up in this. And so, and I, I you know, I'm going to kind of, kind of paraphrase for the, the vegan folks because I'm not one, but I think I understand some of this. And it's this idea that it's less cruel to animals and that it's better for the planet and right. that it's this, this sort of elevated higher way of doing it. So it's not, it's not necessarily about the nutrition for a lot of folks, right? They, they get into the vegan diet specifically. It's about the, the story around it. And right. I think the same thing happens with paleo. Paleo, it sells or it tells a great story. And I think it's part of the reason why it's so easy for folks to stick to is because you end up in this it, telling this, this story of 
It's not a diet that's restricting things. It's not that I can't eat bread. It's that I don't eat bread because we weren't, you know, uh, grains didn't come around until somewhere between 10 and 20,000 years ago. And we are not evolved to eat these things and they're for, for birds and, and, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. Right. So there's this story around the, the, the anthropology or anthropology piece of this that makes sense where you're right. like, Oh, this totally makes sense. And so that becomes a life way. I think a lot easier than does, well, I'm, I'm, you know, going low fat because some study somewhere a long time ago said that fat is no good for you. And right. yet, you know, like that stuff doesn't really have the the visceral impact that that the sort of vegan and paleo stories tell. And so I think that once you get wrapped up in that particular story, when someone has an opposing view, it's not just about, oh, well, it's, it's harder, I guess, to say, oh, well, hey, do what works for you, because we're not at this point talking about diet. We're talking about a fundamental way of being and existing in the world that sort of clashes. And to un unfortunately, the two diets have so much in common, you know, in that we're eating non-processed foods, we're eating yep. a ton of vegetables, we're, you know, we're looking for the most sustainable practices. All of those things are massively uh, sort of, well, they, there's so, just so much crossover, yet we get hung up on protein, you know, at the end of the day. And like, where, where does this protein come from? And, you know, and unfortunately, it creates this massive rift. But again, I think it it lies mostly in the story that we're telling about what that diet or life way means to you as a person in the world, not just what you're eating. Well, and here's the interesting thing. I think on the paleo spectrum, which uh, I think even it was Chris Kresser that kind of came up with that. There's this spectrum of paleo that's uh, delineated along lines of macronutrients. You can have very mm -hmm. high carb ultra crossfitters that, you know, working mm -hmm. out. 12 million hours a day. And, and then you've got people on the lower end of the carbohydrate spec spectrum that does more kind of a keto. So that could fall within paleo. And it mm -hmm. seemed like, at least from my perspective, being a lower carb, more keto kind of guy in the paleo world a few years back, that the one end was kind of ostracized. And that yeah. always perplexed me. Um, and now, of course, keto is having its day in the sun like paleo did mm -hmm. a few years back. So you know, how do you reconcile, um, I guess, kind of the 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 negativity that paleo has had about keto? You're obviously on my yeah. podcast. So you're not anti low carb keto. <laughs> so yeah. How yeah. do you reach those people that were kind of burned by all the negativity that seemingly came from the paleo world about keto? Yeah, I think there's just, you know, inevitably, in order to really understand what works for you, you have to dive in and experience it for yourself. Yes. And I think, unfortunately, in particular for women, you know, the keto diet, because of the way that I think women sort of approach diets in general, they sometimes are looking for the quickest fix or mm. the way to lose weight the quickest or, you know, they, they get kind of caught up in the emotion of what a diet can create for them instead of sometimes methodically really stepping through the process in order to do things safely, methodically and yield the best results long term. So I think a lot of it comes from sort of that paradigm of people doing it, first of all, incorrectly and with the sense of not really understanding what it is and why they're doing it and really making sure that they're monitoring the specific you know, key points that they, that are indicative of whether or not this is working for them, yep. um, whether or not this is going to be sustainable long term, whether they're doing it you know, for a short amount of time as a reset, or if this is a therapeutic um, endeavor. So I think it's really that 
people sometimes don't really have um, a fully developed compass of what it is that they're embarking on and therefore they have negative results. And so when that happens, you start, you know, you just, you're, it's really easy to flippantly say, well, that didn't work for me. I tried that. And Mm -hmm. you know, that, that was bad or this, it made me sick or whatever, because people aren't really doing the necessary things it takes to really wholeheartedly sink themselves into the process of it. So I think it's really around the education piece of it. And I think it's really around people taking ownership and responsibility for, you know, understanding why they're doing something, the appropriate steps to keep themselves safe in it. And, you know, to really get back to that, that conversation of like, what's really there for them. So I think that, you know, the backlash is often because people are just being flippant about what it is that they're trying to embark on. And so in the paleo world, I think part of being part of this movement and this way of living is that you have to have an innate curiosity about why these things are the way they are, why foods might, why, you know, legumes might be back on the map for one person and not another. I think there's a sense of curiosity that has to come about for you to really understand what is your unique personal paleo code, as Chris Kresser likes to say. So I think it's, you know, something in there, it just, it lies in, again, just being responsible for your journey and, you know, being really intelligent about what it is that you're doing. It sounds like science. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because a true scientist actually never is absolutely 100% sure of what they actually believe. A a good scientist, one that will always question, okay, this is the paradigm, but is it true? And so let me try to test things to see if someone with insulin resistance can eat starchy tubers and not have a negative effect on their metabolism. You don't know until you test it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's so many great tools out there. Adam and I actually just got back from an event where a couple of nurses that were there installed the glucose uh, monitoring system for us. Was it Freestyle Libre? Yes. Yes. I love that thing. It's really cool because we're actually able to see, okay, well, if we eat these things, what happens? And there's so many great tools to really get specific and really figure out what works well for you that, you know, it just takes being consistent and committed to that process in order to discover it. How would you like to test your blood ketones for just $1 per strip? Join the Keto Clarity Club at bestketonetest.com for the Keto Mojo blood ketone and blood glucose testing and join the club to get $1 strips when purchased in vials of 50. You get to choose how often that they will ship to you and you'll still get that $1 price per strip. And while you're at bestketonetest.com, make sure you get the meter and we also have glucose strips sold in vials of 50 and you'll get $5 off with the coupon code Jimmy. There's also the Ketonian Special Kit, which allows you to get the meter, Lancet, as well as a starter pack of blood ketone test strips. Again, it's bestketonetest.com for the Keto Mojo blood ketone and blood glucose testing. Bestketonetest.com. So are you guys finding that people are embracing a lot of these technologies that are coming out that they can quantify I mean, we're seeing integration with the Apple Watch that's going to be coming soon. I'm waiting on the company that has an at-home insulin test. I'm so investing money in that company. Uh, You know, are are you seeing that people are embracing the technology or are we still way behind on that? 
I think that it's it's kind of a 50-50 blend, right? So there's there's definitely people who and and I, I well, so when the the quantified self stuff first really started to come out, right? So a number of years ago in Fitbit and like kind of these more these sort of manageable quantified self things started to arise, I think there was a massive surge and everybody was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing." And then there was sort of a dip when they realized that some of the information is not super actionable. Right. And I think what we're finding now is that the devices and the technologies that are out there are, are, you know, they're, they're yielding information that is actionable and it's a lot better. And so I think we're starting to see it on the rise for sure within, within our community and also just kind of in the general sphere. I mean, things like these continuous glucose monitors yes. or a ring. I mean, they're, you're getting stuff that's like, no, oh, this is actually pretty dang good. And on a daily basis, I can look at my Aura Ring app and, and say, yeah, okay, I did sleep well last night or this changed or this changed. And you can see this kind of stuff day on day. So I think the, the actionable piece and the ability to understand what that data means is becoming more accessible. And as that continues to, to develop and improve, I think we're just going to see more and more of it. The, the, the sort of downside that we see to some degree is that there's still a lot of information. So if you're, if you're not just choosing one tool to utilize at a time and kind right. of understand what that looks like, it can still be a little bit overwhelming. But in general, I'm optimistic about the trends. I, I think it's great. Well, and part of the challenge, too, is lay people are the ones mostly using this technology and very few medical professionals are really kind of getting on board with this stuff yet. So you take the data to your doctor with your Ura ring that shows you have these four stages of sleep that are happening. I have one, by the way. Love it for the sleep data. <laughs> and, yeah. and you show them and they're just like, OK, great. You know, and they don't really know what to do with the data. So now I think what we're going to see in the coming years are we'll have all these uh, people that are using technology to kind of uh, track all this data and the data is going to be there and there's going to be have to be medical professionals, interpreters, and maybe you guys are a part of that, helping people interpret some of what all of this data means from all these technologies. At some point, that's a business opportunity for some people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody's going to crush this whole thing. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure you know who, it, who it's going to be, but it's it's definitely there, you know, and, and you mentioned the, you know, the home sort of testing for some of this stuff. And, you know, and I think Theranos, that company was a perfect example. There was so much hype and buildup behind what that access or, or what that technology could give people access to in the home and at your local CVS. There's a reason that the buzz around that company, albeit seemingly somewhat unwarranted, that that's where we're ready for that. You know yes. what I mean? This, this society is ready for something like that. And you're hundred percent correct. Once the AI gets there to be able to amalgamate all of this information into something that's, that's tangible, usable, and then hopefully, um, accessible to some sort of medical professional that can make really solid, you know, advice around that it's, it's coming, you know, and my hope is that it kind of comes in the, in the framework of, well, the adapt framework, which I'm sure you're familiar with, like Chris Kresser's concept around this, I think is brilliant. And I, I, that will work. I mean, there may be other ways of doing it, but if we can start to lay stuff out into that sort of hierarchy, um, I, that's the answer. Well, and we're all trying to reach those people that write this second, as we're speaking, don't give a crap, <laughs> which right. was, which was Jimmy Moore pre 2004, uh, you know, and how do you reach those people? And so if the technology is cool enough and they're like, OK, well, I can try. Whoa. You know, and they get results that go. It wakes them up. And I I right. think the more we see that and the more we can have people that are translating it, the better. So 
I want to shift gears to your retreat because this is fascinating. So you you put together uh, these retreats, these adventures, uh, Mm -hmm. adventure based paleo wellness retreat is how you uh, told me uh, to describe it all over the world. Uh, and your commitment is to help people master their physiology and mindset through various online programs so that you can experience life more fully. So tell us more about the be the, the wellness uh, <laughs> retreats. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, it really is an outgrowth of our commitment to helping people understand their physiology and how to really be a master of their own body, but also their own human experience. And I think for Adam and I, what we realized, especially coming up in this paleo community, is that, you know, you discover this way of life, you discover this way of eating and being, and there almost becomes um a sense of there's there's nowhere to go with it. And, and what I mean by that is that what we tend to do in this community is, you know, if we're doing paleo, then maybe we should do AIP or maybe we should do keto or maybe we should do this. And we kind of get stuck in a loop a little bit with our diet. But what we're really interested is in is getting people that, you know, kind of have mastered their diet are sort of like, okay, I've got the right version of this for me. I've figured out that, you know, paleo plus potatoes is my thing or keto is my thing or AIP is my thing. But now what? What do I do with it? You know, I'm I'm eating this way. I'm probably training right now. I've, you know, been working on myself. So our inspiration is to get those people out in the world enjoying their health, enjoying their fitness, enjoying all of these things that they distilled for themselves and, you know, hopefully created a happy, healthy homeostasis in their life and getting them out and having adventures of a lifetime. You so, know? Vanessa, why don't they right now? Um, why don't they do what? You, you said you want to have them live their healthy life. Why aren't they doing that right now? Why do they need a wellness retreat? Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of it, again, is that we just sort of get caught in just the diet aspect of it. And we sort of just think, well, I've got to live this smaller life. It's mundane, you're saying. Yeah, it just becomes, you know, like all of a sudden, instead of life becoming bigger as a result of us really mastering our physiology, mastering our diet, feeling healthier, feeling more, you know, um, embodied, we sometimes start to separate ourselves. So, oh, I can't go there. I can't do that. You know, that I, that doesn't work for my diet or, you know, I, uh, I don't want, I don't want to go on this, you know, vacation because I'll get off my diet or they do go on the vacation, but they feel terrible because they threw the diet out for the week and now they have to start from scratch. So for us, it was about integrating that. How do you take that diet, take that health, take that well-being and go out and live a more expanded version of yourself and, you know, connect with others who are doing the same. So for us, it's really empowering to say, hey, You've worked so hard on this piece of your life, dialing in your diet, getting yourself healthy. What do you want to do with it? What, you know, we always say, what mountain do you want to climb? What river do you want to raft? What wave do you want to ride? What do you want to do with this awesome, you know, health that you've created in your life? And so I think that that's where we're really inspired to pick people up and say, hey, let's go out and have this awesome, badass life experience. So. What has been the feedback so far, people going through this uh, retreat experience and learning from you guys? What are they saying about it? Is it is it giving them a renewed sense of purpose and adventure in their life that they didn't have before? 
Yes. <laughs> the, the, the short the answer mission is yes. accomplished. So, Good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so a piece of this though, and and I think that this is where um, sort of the magic exists in there. So I mean, so obviously the community and bringing people together who, um, because most of our programs are remote, we have folks all over the world who are sometimes fairly isolated from anyone else in a physical community, like an in-person community who who thinks this way, eats this way, has these priorities, right? Oh, yeah. So to connect them online and then bring them together in person can really just help kind of cement some of the, um, the, the, the knowledge that they've gained or the skill sets that they've gained around this. But the other piece is, I mean, we've been talking a lot about the nutrition aspect, which is obviously massive, but the other piece of this is sort of the physical confidence to do things and the, the strength and conditioning component and working people through something to train for, right? I mean, if, so if you're a, if you're an athlete or you identify as an athlete, you're always training for something. But if you're not, which is a lot of people, then what are you training for? What are your goals besides, oh, I want to look better naked or whatever, which is a fine goal. But at some point it kind of runs out, especially if you achieve it and you're like, all right, well, now what am I training for? And so through these adventures, we tease people into these more and more sort of arduous and adventurous tasks. You know, like, for example, our, our trip to Machu Picchu this last um, April, you know, it's a seven day trek through uh, the Salkante Trail, which uh, summits up and over 15,000 feet. It's arduous. You know, it's an arduous journey that we train people for leading up to this adventure. And then when they get there, they go through and they have this, this physical demand and this journey that's very difficult. And they get to do it with a community of like-minded folks. And we've had multiple people at the top of 15,000 some odd feet when you hit this summit burst into tears. And the first thing out of their mouth is like, I can't I imagine what else I can do. Yeah. I did this. Now what's possible? And that piece right there opens an entire world for folks. Mm. So to take it from the beginning all the way down, if you're suffering from some kind of severe autoimmune condition and through diet and coaching and nutrition and all of this, we get you squared away to the point that now that you can, you can train and you can get out and you can do physical things because you've got the strength and energy to accomplish it. And then we slowly work you through a strength and conditioning program to get you to the top of Salkante Pass. The world is your oyster, you know? And so what we find is that having some tangible goal like that, it, it lends itself to a tremendous amount of consistency and sort of commitment to this, this life way that is going to, frankly, open up the entire world when they're done. And that has been the piece that's just remarkably fulfilling for us. And it's kind of the most consistent feedback that we get is I had no idea that I was even missing something in my life. And now here I am, you know, 65 years old and I've surfed in Costa Rica and I've hiked over the Salkante Pass and God knows what's next. <laughs> nice. You know? And that's so that's yeah, that's the feedback. So, yes, so, people like it. <laughs> that's awesome. The world is yeah. your oyster and those are paleo, too. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Their names are Adam and Vanessa Lambert from BEE The Wellness, BEE The Wellness dot com. They're also all over social media. So Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Look up BEE The Wellness and uh, check out their BEE The Wellness retreats and adventures. We'll have a link to it in the show notes section at the live and low carb show dot com. But guys, thanks so much for joining us here today on the live and la vida low carb show. Thank you so much, Jimmy. It's been super fun. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great. Ah, uh, living la vida, low 
call. This show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up them avocados, fry some eggs. Time to explore the longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show. Disc. <laughs>